In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. It's an immense privilege to be here with you this year. And to speak about this, you know, as the title says, the sense of, of comfort and discomfort that comes from being who we are and fulfilling who we are supposed to be. It's easy to just go with the flow. It's easy just to float down with the current and then do nothing about it. Um, you know that one of the symbols of Christianity besides the, you know, the Greek word ichthys, which is fish, is symbolically take the fish as a, as a sign of life in water where fish will sometimes, to maintain life, will swim upstream because they go against the current. And Christianity is, is countercultural. It does cut across the grain, go against the current quite often. And our Lord Jesus Christ himself did that. And that's why he wasn't very popular. That's why, because he came to change things, it was seen as a threat. It wasn't anything anyone wanted. The reason I'm saying that is, is because it, it is easy for us to just become comfortable, to, to feel that there is nothing that we need to do to just maintain the status quo. But the status quo is sometimes often incredibly dissatisfying because the status quo doesn't allow me to deal with matters at hand. Um, one of the most inspiring accounts that I myself have seen in scripture is that of Nehemiah. Not only as a person of action, but as a leadership role, as a visionary, as an influencer, but also as someone who is faithful, committed, sincere. You know, in, in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10, our Lord goes into quite an extensive uh, explanation of what a shepherd does and what he as a good shepherd does. But then he also goes into the explanation of the difference between a shepherd and a hireling. A shepherd is the one who owns, possesses the sheep, and so he takes care of them, they're his. Whereas a hireling, he just comes in, does a day's work and leaves. And so to start, I want to share a, a, just a very small quote from St. John Chrysostom, who says, to love Christ means not to be a hireling, not to look upon noble life as an enterprise or trade, but to be a true benefactor and to do everything only for the sake of the love of God. So to be a Christian, we cannot just be hirelings. We can't just be in it for the right. We can't just not care. We can't just be comfortable. And that is the tension within Christianity 
is that there's always this sense of wanting to do something else. One of the things I always tell people who, who you know, serve with me is that we've got to be careful. If we ever become comfortable in ministry, then there's something very wrong. And it's not because, you know, not because we're orthodox and we like to doom and gloom and we don't like to give ourselves a pat on the back and we don't like to uh, give thanks for God's grace. That's not true. We must appreciate, we must give thanks for, we must celebrate. Because when we celebrate our ministry, we are celebrating the hand of God in that ministry. When I give thanks for the ministry, I'm not giving thanks for my work. I'm giving thanks for the work of God through me and through others. And so, it's important for us to celebrate it and rejoice in it. But the point about comfort is that there is always something to do. And if we sit back in the comfort of our own existence and just pat ourselves on the back and just say, yep, we've done really well, without having an eye on the other things happening out there, we will miss things. And it's not just things, we will miss people. Because the core of our ministry, the core of our lives as Christians, not just if you're serving, as any Christian, the core of our existence as Christians is to get to God's kingdom and introduce as many people to it as possible as well. Now, again, I don't want you to panic. This doesn't mean you need to all go out tomorrow morning and preach on a street corner. There are people who do that, and it's great. And there are people who are gifted in that way, and it's great. And there are people who are called to that, and it's great. But we're not all called to that. We're all called to different things. And so what we need to do is be faithful in what we are doing. One great example of this comfort and lack of comfort is the story of Nehemiah. When we um, look at his account... Now, Nehemiah was one of the children of Israel, Jerusalem, who was scattered. And he ends up in a king's court, and he's very influential, and he's got, he's got a great existence. He is loved and valued by the king. But there's something inside him. There's something about him that still thinks about things that he was related to, attached to. Both place and people, heritage and individuals. His kinfolk, but also the place that had now become desolate. And we, we look at chapter one and we read that, you know, people were coming through and he'd met them. And in one account, he meets one of the brethren and he asks him concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived in captivity. He asked. Now imagine one of us being in that situation. Comfortable, you're in a cushy job, you've got a great appointment, you've got a good lifestyle. We sometimes forget. You know, think about our own situations. 
Think about someone maybe you used to see at church in your ministry five years ago, three years ago, last year. And think of that person and whether you've been in touch or not. And the question and the answer is going to be, I'm just really busy with work. I'm just really busy with my family, really busy with my friends. I'm busy doing something. We're all busy doing something. We're all busy. We can occupy ourselves for multiples of every day if we want to. You know, I have this ongoing joke about, you know, if I want to do everything I want to do, I need the week to be about 12 days. But I'm sure that even if it was, we would fill those 12 days and still need it to be longer. So we keep ourselves busy. But do we take our eyes off what we're supposed to be looking after in terms of people, in terms of things, in terms of our own concerns? Here was Nehemiah, who was still asking about his brethren. And not only that, he asked concerning Jerusalem. From the comfort of where he was, He then hears that some people have fled, some people are in captivity. But he also hears that the gates of Jerusalem have been burnt and the walls have been broken down. And that just doesn't sit right with him. It's not comfortable. He's somewhere else. He's safe. He's comfortable where he is in terms of his role and his work and his life. But something inside him doesn't make him comfortable. And I'm wondering, if we're looking at Jerusalem, our concept of the symbolic Jerusalem, and if we see the walls of our communities or our churches or our families broken down, and if we see the gates that are supposed to protect those walls burnt, and if we see people within those settings scattered, does our heart burn? Do we think about them? Do we consider them? Or are we just busy? And of course, we as a community are very academically and career driven, which is a great thing. I mean, it's, it's not something bad. It only becomes detrimental when it becomes the only thing we do when it becomes how we define ourselves, when it becomes how we measure ourselves, and even worse, how we measure others. Because that becomes the be-all and end-all. And yet for Nehemiah, it wasn't about his status. He was in the king's court. But he still thought about those who were somewhere else. He still had them in his mind and in his heart. And he felt for them. So verse 4 of chapter 1 says, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. He felt. We should never become so comfortable within our own setting that the suffering of others doesn't matter. You know, we've got to build some boundaries. But not walls. 
touchy subject in this country. <laughs> so. Or send letters. If anyone has seen a recent letter anyway, but I shouldn't get into that. <laughs> um, not build walls. Boundaries keep us safe. Walls keep people out. And so we need to be protected. You, you, your, your time needs to have boundaries. Your emotions need to have boundaries. Your commitment, your interests, they all need to have boundaries. But sometimes we end up, rather than having boundaries, we build them up and up and up, and those boundaries become walls. And then those walls, rather than being a fortress to protect us, become a prison to segregate and separate us. And we become isolated. And we lose connection with people. And especially now, in this day and age, when we can apparently be um, connected to quite literally millions of people around the globe at any given minute, and yet do that in the isolation of our own bedrooms. That's alarming and astounding, but it is our reality. It's, it's how our lives are being lived at the moment. But we don't need to be that way. We don't have to be that way. We don't have to give in to it. We don't have to become a product or byproduct of that culture. We still must feel for others and for the world. You know, we see so much going on in the world and we isolate ourselves. You know what? Nothing to do with me that I don't care about it. I was just having a conversation with um, with someone last week. Um, I was in Beirut speaking at a, at a conference for the Bible Society, as president of the Bible Society, and they said, why are you involved in advocacy? Why do you feel you need to advocate? And I said, well, you know, I started because I saw Coptic Christians suffering in Egypt. And then I thought, well, hang on, I can't just care about Coptic Christians in Egypt, I must care about Christians, brothers and sisters. And now I thought, well, hang on, I can't just think about Christians, because as a Christian, I need to think about everyone, even those who consider themselves our enemies. Anyone of any faith. And then it was people with no faith at all. And then suddenly the penny drops that as a Christian we must have a heart for the whole world. We must, you know, when our Lord was there feeding the multitudes, some of those multitudes, maybe many of them, were the ones who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And he knew that. And he knew it was going to happen. And yet he fed them. And so our heart must be for God's world and God's creation. And so we can't isolate ourselves or become tribal or become complacent or become too comfortable 
That, nothing to do with me. It, it's, it's somewhere else. It deals with something else, someone else, somebody else's problem. Um, do you remember the story of a certain person who was attacked and a certain priest who walked by and then a certain Samaritan? You know, it's not always somebody else's problem. It has to be mine. It has to be, I have to take responsibility. Just as Nehemiah did. Not only did he sit down and weep and mourn for many days, he says, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. How often do you and I say, I just, I can't think of what to pray about. You know, your confessional father will say, have you been praying? We say, well, you know, yes, but I, I just, like it's so boring. Every day it's the same. I don't know who to pray for, what to pray for. There's nothing to pray for. I feel like I'm just repeating. You know what? Look at your Twitter feed. Look at the news. Look at the Facebook profiles and accounts of people around you. There's a lot to pray for. And there's a lot to pray about. We just need consciousness and care. And that is what makes us true children of God. Consciousness, knowing what needs to be done, and then caring enough to actually do something about it. And then we hear his prayer. He says, I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants. We must think of the people around us and our connections with them, and the world around us and our connections with us. We're all connected through God. Just because you're suffering and I'm not, or I'm suffering and you're not, doesn't mean it's really none of our business. Because whether I'm suffering or you're suffering, God is suffering because he loves us both. And so I can't be comfortable seeing suffering around me. I can't be complacent and think it's somebody else's issue. This is though where the expression says the rubber hits the road. The difference between intention, we have great intentions. Oh, you know, these people who have been displaced and, and are captives, it's so bad, and the walls that have fallen are, are so, are so um, bad, and the gates that are burned, it's so bad, and we just feel pain. But you know what? If feeling pain doesn't move beyond that point, it helps no one. Constant pain, imagine if you have a cut, right? What does pain do? Pain is an alert, it's an alarm. Pain is a means to an end, it's not an end in itself. 
Pain just means there's something wrong here, do something about it. Whether it's pain if your hand is on a flame and you need to remove it, or if it's an infection and you need to heal it. Pain is merely an alarm for you to do something about it. So when we feel pain for others and do nothing about it, what does that mean? You know, it hasn't helped me. It might give me a sense of accomplishment. You know, I felt, I felt pain. I felt empathy. But actually, if I go to the other extreme, it makes me feel bad because I feel like I haven't done the thing. So it gives me a sense of guilt. And it surely doesn't help anybody else because I haven't done anything. I haven't reached out. What did Nehemiah do? He actually took a step. He went to the king. The king said to him, what's wrong? You look sad. May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? That's his quote. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. How can I not be sad? How can I be comfortable when I see this happening? How can I be complacent? How can I be non-committal? How can I distance myself or distance people? How can I think it's not my business? How can I look on the sufferings of others or the needs of others and think, well, that's somebody else's fault. Not my problem. I'm not just talking about catastrophes. I'm not talking about feeding the hungry and advocating for the oppressed. I'm talking about people we may know who just need our time. Ministries in the church we know that need our attention. People we deal with on a daily basis, who need our care. Things that we are aware of that need to be done. Why should my face not be sad when I feel that connection? Of course I'm going to be sad. Of course I'm going to be in pain. And of course I'm going to want to do something. So then my ghost to the king and says, you know what? Please let me go. Let me go and see what I can do. How many of us have that calling? And again, I'm not talking about going to serve in Africa or South America or anywhere else. Some of you may be called to that and it's a great thing. Some of you might actually go and it's a great thing. But I'm talking about that and other things. Things around us, in our proximity, things really close, people really close. As I said, I've been doing this for years, and, and one of the things that, you know, I've, I've, we've spoken over and over about, and I'm sure you've had these conversations, is do people feel really at home in church? And so we, we just had a, a major survey across the diocese to look at engagement and belonging. And as I expected, 
One of the major outcomes was people just don't feel welcome or they don't feel asked about. And it's such a regular thing. I can disappear for weeks, even months, and no one asks. Or I can go and people will look at me thinking, what are you doing here? Now, sitting here, we can fit into one of three categories. Either, yeah, that's right, it happens to me. Or, actually, I never thought that because I feel absolutely fine. Or, not my problem. Nothing to do with me. And yet, we must be those who feel for others. We must be those who engage with the pain and feeling and needs of others and do as much as we can, like Nehemiah did. Running and going. And he says to the king, he doesn't, you know, sometimes we'll do a half-hearted thing. Yeah, okay, uh, I'll send a message. For the love of God. For the love of God. When you're asking about someone, don't do it over message. Don't do it over WhatsApp. Don't do it over a, 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 a direct message. Remember those things we used to do, uh, making a phone call? <laughs> I know that's just so 90s. But when people actually used to talk to each other, because when you talk to someone, you hear their voice, you hear their emotions. We need to engage. We need to engage properly. We need to ask about one another. Take proactive steps. Nehemiah didn't just say, oh yes, you know, I'm sorry, okay, I'm going to send them a text. Or, or a carrier pigeon, those days. No, I'll just drop them a line. Hi, um, thinking about you. Hashtag really miss you. Sorry, the walls have been broken down and the gates burned. Love you lots. XXX. And then LOL. Which is some things that people just will end that, you know, or a smiley face. You think, what was the point of that? You know what the point of that is? We've forgotten how to communicate. It's like, hi, you're feeling really bad. <laughs> you wouldn't that in real life. Why do it over a message? He went out and he went to the king. He says, furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I get to Judah. This wasn't just a box ticking exercise. This wasn't just as, okay, I'll try, or sorry, couldn't get through, okay, I'm going home. King, give me letters to make sure I get through because I want to go see for myself because I want to make a difference. Because I can't just sit here comfortably. 
when I see this destruction and desolation and suffering. I want to do something. And he went. Not only that, and he said, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates. He even thought of the practicalities, the things that have to physically be done. You know what? That takes thought. It takes interest. It takes commitment. It takes care. To think about the needs of others and not only, oh dear, it's so sad that these people are suffering. Oh dear, it's so sad that this person is alone. Oh dear, it's so sad that this person doesn't find the space. What do we actually need to do? What do we actually need to do in terms of taking steps? A, I need someone, the king, to write me a letter to get through the governors. And B, I need timber for the gates. Now, this wasn't a, a, an exercise where he was going to go and say, I'm going to go do an assessment. So I'm going to go, I'm going to figure out what it is, I'll come back and I'll do a three-month plan, and then I'll do a risk analysis, and then I'll do a flowchart, <laughs> and then I'll pass it through three other departments, and then I'll see what I can do about it. You know, um, does it sound like your office? I hope it doesn't sound like your church. As long as it sounds like your office, it's fine. Um, you know the expression, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son and not a committee? <laughs> because it would still be in deliberation at the moment. <laughs> there would have been, there would have been a, risk, a risk assessment. Actually, the cross isn't going to work. First of all, it's a Jewish holiday. <laughs> Can't do things on a Jewish holiday. Secondly, you know, you could really offend people. No one wants to see so much blood and stuff. Our Lord just came as the incarnate word to take steps to save us. Nehemiah went as a servant and a brother of the people and took steps to help them. We, you and I, must never be comfortable just looking upon the sufferings of others, the needs of others, the struggles of others. And again, I want to keep bringing this back. I'm not just talking about macro world issues. I'm talking about micro individuals that you may know. And we need to do something for them. So the king not only agreed, but he sent captains of the army and horsemen with him. Now, if you and I are going to make supplication to God, because he's our king, right? We're going to say, Lord, I, I feel that this thing needs to be done. I'm not comfortable being here. I'm not comfortable being in this space here, seeing that person, that one person, that one sheep of a of hundred, you know, the 99 are here, that one sheep 
that one person, that one situation, that one ministry, I'm not comfortable seeing it in that place. I want to do something. And rather than saying, Lord, uh, King, give me letters to, to get through governors, I say, Lord, give me words to get through hearts. To get through barriers and borders and walls and hurdles. And rather than saying, I want you to speak to Asas and give me wood, I say, Lord, give me the tools I need to fulfill what you want me to fulfill. And rather than traveling and going to the place and surveying, look towards those around us and see what they actually need. And what will happen? This king just a human, and yet he was moved by Nehemiah. How will God respond to our calls? He's not just going to send captains of the army and horsemen with me, he's going to send these angels. He's going to give me gift, he's going to give me talents. He's going to give me tools so I can fulfill his will. So I can fulfill what I see is needed for his children. He journeys to Jerusalem and goes there. He actually takes a step. He goes. We need to go to people. We need to go to situations. We can't just sit back and watch them from a distance. Because going, even the act of going, makes a difference. Even if you do nothing. When someone sees you approaching, just for them, it makes a difference. Even if they don't say it, and we're not looking for recognition, we're not looking for thanks, even if they don't say it, they will feel it. Even if they're resistant, they will understand it. It, the going in and of itself is important. And we must go. We must get out of our comfort zones. We must get out of our zones in which we feel most in control. And make ourselves vulnerable. Knowing that not only do we have captains and horsemen with us, know that we have the king himself with us. He himself journeys with us. He himself is the one who keeps us in his mighty right hand. And he himself is the one who supports us in whatever he has put into our hearts. Because don't forget, every good thought comes from what he has put into our heart, his image and his likeness, his love, how he feels about his humanity and how he feels about his children. This is just a small taster of what I hope we'll be discussing this weekend. As I said, if I could possibly walk in Nehemiah's shoes 
and do a tenth of what he did, I'd be really happy. If I could fulfill that model in my ministry, there would be such blessing. If I could feel that sense of commitment and urgency, how many people would be served? And so over this weekend, we want to talk about that urgency. What it means to have it. And how we move it from being an emotion to an action. An intention to a deed. An aspiration to a reality. And we can all do it. Because it is not us, it's not me, it's not Nehemiah, it's nobody. It is God working in and through us. It is his love that moves us, it is his grace that enables us, and it is his power that makes us effective. And that is what we hope to achieve. So I look forward to sharing this weekend with you. I look forward to going further into these themes. And I look forward to learning alongside you and from you from the conversations we're going to have. And glory be to God forever.